Welcome. My name is Patrick Wu. I'm the Portfolio Manager for Cybersecurity Services at ABB Process Automation. I'm here today with Derek Harp, who will open for our OT Cybersecurity Leaders Virtual Summit on ransomware on April 19th. Why don't you introduce yourself, Derek? Sure. I'm excited to do the podcast with you, but especially to kick off the event. I'm wearing my hat as the founder and chairman of CSA, the Control System Cybersecurity Association International. And so in in one of the functions of that nonprofit organization is research, is basically gathering the, the wisdom, if you will, of our crowd, 28,000 people and counting that have signed up with us and sort of see what they've said about some sort of topic and then share that back out. And so we, we the main way we do that is our annual report sponsored title sponsored by KPMG but supported by half a dozen other uh, other companies and so we're able to do all that research and produce the report and so I'm going to share some of the highlights and find sort of key findings as part of my my keynote the goal of that report is decision support like what are my peers doing or what are other people doing across different verticals across different parts of the world what are they doing and what are their priorities helping people maybe make some of those tough choices for themselves that's fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to to listening to you and, and hear what you guys have learned from that 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 work. But if we dive straight into it, what is the main takeaway when you saw that this 2022 report? What, what did you say? Wow, I didn't realize this was going on. Can you give us some yeah, preview? Sure. It's this it would be the, that's the second year that we did the report. We're working right now on the third. We just closed out the annual survey that will go into the third year report. And so one thing that was great between year one and year two, and we can't wait to do it for year three, is comparative between years. So I think where we're starting to see some surprises are in the what's the delta, what's the change between years. We know it's a problem, right? We, we, we know that budgets are always under, under pressure. We know that finding qualified people in this particular subspace of cybersecurity is always tough. Those aren't new, new discoveries. But what are the nuances that are changing year to year to year? And there were some things that, that went down or up and, and not necessarily as we expected. And I think if you look at the tracing of some of that is prioritization. You know, you can't say, well, let's, they're all going to go up because we're going to do all of these things and we're going to equally weight all of these initiatives. Well, you're right there. Anybody that's informed and paying attention knows that's not going to be the case. Nobody gets to do all that. So maybe we see weighting changes and decision making about, well, we're going to do this. We may do less of that. Those sorts of things are emerging. All right. I'm I'm curious to to hear what you have to say about if your the results from this report match the the buzzwords in the industry are are they linked or is it something that stands out as disjointed? Well, I suppose that depends on which buzzwords you think. Do you have a couple in mind? Buzzwords: we have network monitoring, we have zero trust, sure. network safety, and and yeah. so on. But but please, if you when you start, you can you can pick whatever you think is an yeah. interesting case. Well, so when you, when it comes to to sort of the words that are throwing around, and there are a bunch. There's there's OT cyber specific ones, like a lot of network segmentation work is being done. All, all the the high maturity responders are all continuing to invest in network segmentation. And I would argue that the evidence shows that anybody in the industry is doing. Some portion of that. It makes sense, right? Let's not compromise an entire network if somebody were to somehow get in or compromise some portion of it. So that's true. Zero trust gets into this different area. There are people who love and hate that term. It comes from traditionally from IT cybersecurity, and it's not a one-size-fits-all, but there are appropriate companies and individuals working on saying, okay, zero trust 
as appropriate for OT networks. Not everything we did over here, let's just do it over there. That That's where some people's antibodies formed up. And, oh, whoa. So we do see these words, but I think it's really, really important to say, okay, who's speaking them? And are they contextually aware about OT? And I would say for, for most of these things, machine learning and artificial intelligence, all those buzzwords, they're all in play. Some people are dropping them to just to use them. Some people are highly informed and saying, this is how we're using that, that term in context. Okay, so there there is a harmony between the marketing things and things going on that you can buy and, and use and what people actually are looking for. Yeah, them. yeah. I, I think you're going to find outliers all the time of people that are using words, like you said, maybe for marketing purposes or or they're using them because they're they're attractive words and maybe they're out of out of context to some degree. But yeah, I, I think there is network monitoring is absolutely a mature in, in the adoption curve now where we crossed the chasm. I've, I've been involved in that particular subspace of, of, our, of our ecosystem since 2009, and it was very immature for many, many, many years. Now, what do we see? We see that mature organizations are absolutely saying, if we don't know what's going on in these networks with control-specific, safe-to-run monitoring solutions, which now exist, if we don't know what's going on in those networks, we, how can we have a proper strategy? And, and that's true. It, it's certainly any of the higher end we, companies that are addressing multiple levels of risk, they're doing that. If you are at an earlier curve and you say, gosh, we don't even have network segmentation and we don't have, you can just sort of walk into our, into our facilities and plug into our networks. There may be some primordial, I like to call it sort of the primordial ooze phase. There may be some things you better do before you might adopt something like network monitoring, but the monitoring comes pretty soon. All right. No, it's uh, insightful. I'm more curious about it, so that's that's very very nice. But if we if we switch then again the report, who is using it? Who do you get the? Who is this report written for? And who who would you like to see adopting it even more? It's got a lot of different consumers of it, which is great. So I probably at a top level, that's that's the most hope, right? The different stakeholders would use it, find value in it throughout the year. It is true that we had in mind asset owner decision makers in that they've got a tough job. Sort of what I referenced earlier in our conversation, there isn't a such thing as unlimited budget. There isn't such thing as I've got everybody I need and they're all fully trained. There's, there's these, these gaps and holes sort of everywhere you look. So what am I going to do and what am I going to do in what order? I think that's where the market is, is headed. Anybody who's really looking at this is, is talking about prioritization and metrics and data to our emerging tools to and, and strategies to, to help you do that sort of focusing. So we we thought the report could play a part of that, which is if we could gather up that data and say what are what are you all doing, then we could repurpose that and then give that back to everybody in sort of a synthesized, organized way and say this is what people are doing. You may not, as an individual, be able to map and say, well, I'm going to do all the top priorities. Well, that might have been a very very well funded large enterprise. So you do have to interpret and say, okay, I can't do all that, but at least I know. What a mature, what a more mature organization, at least I know what their top priorities are. And so if I'm going to make some arguments about what we're going to do, maybe I'm going to make a board presentation, I could maybe reference this. Neutral 550 some respondents went into that report. So it's it's very broad and very global and say, okay, this is sort of ground truth of what, what people are doing. That's interesting. So people can use it to to justify what they're doing, feeling good what they've done, and also be challenged to look into some, yeah, some different things. Now. Sure. That's very, very nice. Uh, all right. Derek, what would you like to, to bring up? One of the other things that emerged from the report, and I wouldn't say it as a surprise, but I would say that it is, um, it's sort of confirmation, if nothing else, 
the number one threat actor. We asked the respondents, like, for you, for your facilities, what, what do you perceive to be or what do you to be the, your greatest threat actor? And the winner, hands down, is our, our insiders. And so yeah. I've had my statement that I make about this misinterpreted a number of times. Certainly one person really online took umbrage with it. And, it, and I basically said, I don't think for most of us focusing, focusing on nation state threat actors is, is, is probably our top focus. He went on to speak at me at, at, at a conference and basically referenced me without naming me and said, the, the nation states are a huge problem. Like, well, he didn't, didn't probably <laughs> listen to what I was saying. What I was saying yeah. was that the, the insiders, and if we're not addressing that, that's your biggest threat group. And we, we divide that into two groups, negligent insiders and malicious insiders. And negligent insiders is twice the percentage. It's in like 50% instead yeah. of 25%, which is the next highest winners, second Second, third place are tied over 25 and 26% of it. Negative insiders is the number one. And then malicious insiders is number two. So that, that to me is just a prioritization again. Where are my biggest threats? If you have the wherewithal and the money and the, the energy and everything that it takes to protect yourself or attempt to against a persistent nation state threat actor, you, you may do that, especially depending on what you're protecting. But that's probably not where most of us are going to start focusing. That's super interesting. I directly start to think about even the most fundamental definition of risk. So so this person you mentioned only looked at the consequence or, or, or something similar to that instead of looking at the likelihood of something happening. Because, of course, the consequence of a nation state, if some nation is after you, that's not a good day. But the likelihood of that happening is is. I mean, you can almost yeah, ignore it. You're, you're nailing the, the, sort of the, some of the key mathematics in the people that are working now on these algorithms on prioritization and decision making. And it, you do take those into effect. Insurance companies, obviously, cyber insurance is evolving rapidly. They yeah. are certainly taking that into effect. And so a very, 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 very low likelihood with a really, really high impact, you certainly want to understand how are we going to address that risk? And you may be doing it in non-technical ways. You may lay off that risk with certain yeah. with insurance products, for instance, but... So it's not ignoring any of those risk quotients, but it's certainly saying, since we probably don't have everything we need resource-wise to do all these things, where should we focus ourselves? And you don't want to ignore, you shouldn't want to, if you can, engineer around some of the very, very biggest risks, cyber-informed engineering. I'm a big fan of that as well. It's like, wait a minute, this pressure vessel, it exploded because it's been overpressurized. What if we add an engineered valve, a pressure release valve. It's not connected to anything. It's a physical engineered device. And I'm borrowing this from, from somebody else in the industry who references this all the time. That's great. Now we've mitigated a particular risk, that big pressure pressure yeah. system being overpressurized, and it just can't happen. because And so that's maybe oversimplification. There's so many complicated systems. I don't mean to make light mm. of, of how difficult this can be, but let's mitigate risks in lots of different ways not just hey we got to buy we got to buy a technology based solution to to fix all of these exactly that was my my second point and we all believe we know or at least the two of us agree that that people is is definitely up there as the bigger risk but yet we have all these people saying oh if i can buy my way out of this problem fantastic are you are you seeing when you talk to people and and in this research is training being underutilized and, and looked at as a, eh, it's not that important, or, or is it getting the attention it deserves? Well, training is absolutely something that we ask about. And and so the, the part of your question is, is it getting what it deserves? It's certainly being, people need more of it. And that's, I think, pretty widely recognized. Now, forward-leaning, again, potentially funded 
in a in a maybe a different way than 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 everybody in the in the same pot. Some entities have 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 more wherewithal. They're training for sure. Again, a mature organization is is doing that, and I'm a big fan of that. Everybody, it's 360 degree training. People are like, well, we don't need to make everybody the experts. Like, boy, words matter. Not not my point. Yeah, appropriate training for the level. So should some people have some cyber awareness training that's OT informed, which does exist. And we we ask people about yeah. that. That's different than cybersecurity awareness training. Don't click on this link. This is what a phishing email is. Yes, everybody needs that too. Phishing is still, it's a major threat actor, even in our space or, or, or threat vector in our space. However, there is some OT cyber informed stuff that, that everybody in the operating environment could benefit from. So I think it's it's a, we need to raise let's say the lowest common de- denominator cyber hygiene up, not making everybody yep. the experts, but everybody has to come up. And so I think we we, we see the evidence is that mature organizations absolutely are investing in investing in that. And I think everybody's in one form or another talking about it, trying to at least it's a discussion point. All right. So if if the people is the biggest risk or biggest likelihood, if and, and if nothing else, what comes in as number number two in in your research? So after insiders divided into sort of those two camps, the, the malicious ones and the negligent ones, what actually what ties almost for malicious insider, I mean, one, one percentage point difference are cyber criminals. And so again, still not nation states, right? Cyber criminals, money to be made. And we, we know anybody that's reading anything sees more and more incidents of, of money. And this is the nexus with ransomware, right? Started in the, in the area of data. We're going to encrypt. We'll, we'll keep your data from you. It may even still be on your prem, but you just can't access it. We've encrypted it. Hence the ransom, crypto ransomware. You need to pay us and we'll unlock it for you. And law firms and, and, and uh, universities and hospitals and a lot of data rich organizations were really ripe targets. And then you see over time, and I remember the first call that I got about it. And I'm sure stuff predates this, but I got a specific call from a very non sexy manufacturing company six years ago that their corrugated plant had ceased operation due to ransomware, OT ransomware, which stopped operations. It didn't, it didn't ransom any data. It just stopped operations. And they pay, had already paid the ransom in the three or four hour window from when I'd gotten called to when I called the principal, one of the principal owners of the company. He said, well, we already paid it. The ransom was quite appropriate compared to what we were losing. And so we paid it. And I thought, well, I'm not surprised. What are you doing to not be a target again? But so we see more of that. And I think we're seeing... As I talk to people in all the different sectors we monitor, 18 different sectors, we go, oh, yeah, the building, my building's control guy, he says, yeah, yeah, we've seen heating and air conditioning systems and elevators being denied access, being denied control. You want to get your smart building working again, you need to pay us. So I think we only, we're going to see more of that, not less, denying us the operations and the operations technology we rely on. Wow. So the actual hackers, not nation status, you said, but those that are after money and possibly some with just some fame still, they are a true threat to the OT operator now then. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that they would come at as a closed close first. If, yeah, you know. well no the first first is the the negligent insiders like forty six percent and cyber criminals are twenty six percent. So there's a clear winner. And if you add okay. malicious insiders and negligent insiders, that's forty six and twenty five. And then there's clear winner in the insiders. Then you get into the next groups, including including a healthy dose of people who can't respond. Who our our corporate policy says I can't yeah. say. Well, there could be nation states looking oh, in course. there, right? So again, I'm not minimizing those those threat actors are out there. Now, people have argued that a very very advanced nation state with persistence, you might have trouble protecting yourself against that anyway. Yeah, no, no, that that if yeah. you're trying to 
close that gap, you're bound to lose. So the topic of our, our upcoming summit, where you're the keynote speaker, is ransomware. Would you say that the the number two here with the professional attacker or hackers is that tied to ransomware and the sharp increase in ran, ransomware attacks that we see? Or are these the classic hackers? So I think the, the, the cyber criminal group, let's say that's our, our number two winner, if you group the insiders together yep. in one group, that group, one of their best tools in their their quiver to make money is this sort of well well beaten path to, to to ransoms and so i think that that is that's a major tool in their when they're in their tool bag if you will and they're using it and so i think we'll see more of that i'm sure there are within the layers of what are all the what are all the things cyber criminals can do there are other emerging things i mean well there's certainly data extraction i i, I wouldn't want to say what percentage of this but there is valuable data to be extracted from operating technology networks, and there's value in that to be to be sold. Even network schemas and maps, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I understand, can be gathered, reconnaissance days, and sold to someone. I think with the cyber criminal, the more organized they are, and some of them are very organized, they ask themselves, "What are all the ways we make mo- we might make money, and can we price our punishment, so to speak, appropriately?" That that a lot of people are just going to pay it. They, that, they they've got to find science on that. It's not. Let's ask yeah. this small $2 million company to buy it, to spend $2 million bucks on getting out of the fix they're in. They don't do that. They're not going to get paid that. So they do try, they do their they do their homework and they try to price things appropriately. So I think it's like, what are all the laundry list of things we could do? What are all the tools that we can utilize? And, and then what are all the targets out there? And oh, by the way, being small or being unknown is, of course, of no protection. Let's run automated scanning tools. Let's look for openings. Let's look for anything that says, ooh, let's assign one of our human beings on the threat actor side to go look at what that is. Oh, look at that. It's a cute little company. Uh, in in the middle of Iowa, let's go after them because they'll pay us something. It's fascinating, Derek. Absolutely fascinating. Because and I have to change my view on things. I've been people thing number your number one, and it's not surprising. Ransomware making the professional attackers come up to number two is not surprising. But when you're saying they are looking at where can I get the most money. The easiest, and sometimes it may simply be to steal information and then sell these the tech paths. Someone else may actually really want that little company in Iowa you mentioned. Yeah, but I will make money out of just mapping out their network and yeah, and that, that is that is right out of the playbook on how credit cards are used. That some of the people that are actually grabbing a treasure trove of credit card information and PII don't don't exploit it. They there's a going rate for per record and they sell it. So that same thing is what information, but I would say it's not even just the network scheme and architecture and mapping, which could be valuable to various end users, including nation states, purchasing it from cyber criminals. That there's, there's, that's out there too. But there's things like, can you reverse engineer a formula if you can get enough information out of mm-hmm. or a manufacturing process, especially a critical, how many minutes and seconds it takes in intervals between various parts of the sequence, that can be very, very valuable to competitors. So I think people have to be thinking about that. What is our IP, our process IP? Just by knowing what we're doing and how we're doing it, what what all is all the information that someone could learn by observing our operating process? So having your historian data saying that, eh, it's not that important, we can make it available to more people, it may not at all be a good idea. And Patrick, I lump that in the hidden bucket because every panel and every media interview says, Oh, why haven't, especially historically, why haven't I heard of more more incidents? 
there are a whole bunch of people, including not just nation states for sure, but then even in the cyber criminal element, the non-ransomware, extracting information, selling it, all those groups want to go undetected. It is their goal to not be detected. So to say, I haven't read about an X, Y, or Z means it's not happening. It's a false equivalency. These things are happening, mm. and some threat actors don't want to be known. They don't want it to be detected. The value of whatever they're doing is increased by going undetected. It is their goal. Yes, there are others. Of course, if they're going to ransomware you, ransom you, they, they, have to, they have to disclose that they've done it. And then that group tells you. But again, the company doesn't always disclose that because they don't necessarily want people to know, consumers, customers, whoever, to know that it's going on. So we don't see a true reflection in the media of what may or may not be occurring on sort of the grassroots level for all of us. It's not going to be properly reflected in media. So there's no real doubt that anyone with a DCS system or any computer system, period, I would assume, are at risk. Going back 10 years, they could say, oh, I'm only doing this, so I'm not at risk. But today, would you say that, no, you have to assume you are a target? Yeah, I think so. But that, then that, that gets into the risk methodologies, because we're not all protecting the same processes. The number one thing, by the way, that was disclosed is safety was the orientation between people's chief concern for cybersecurity for operating technology was safety. First group, safety of their employees. Second group, safety of the people around them. And then only third were things like their operating technology reliability, staying up. Obviously, profits are keeping keeping these things running. But those things came third, fourth, and fifth. You know, those sort of logical stuff there. But number one was number one was was safety. And so I think that's that's everybody. But not in the same way. If I'm running, if I have huge volume of caustic chemicals or pressure vessels and all these sorts of things, that's different than corrugated cardboard. So, and not making light of anybody's in business, it's important to them and staying up is important to them. So everybody has to assess the risk for themselves or get help doing that and say, okay, this is our risk tolerance. This is our risk portfolio. Just like mature boards have been doing other kinds of risks. This is just a, a risk that needs to absolutely be assessed and be addressed. And it isn't we assess and we address and we fix all risks. That's not how any mature organization does it. They, they measure and they say, here are our plans and here are our strategies. So if a hurricane comes along, they've talked about how they're going to protect themselves against that particular risk. And this just has to be part of that discussion for any, for any company at, at a senior level. It's all super interesting information, Derek. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it in your keynote in our upcoming Ransom Aware Cyber Summit on April 19th. So at that summit, in addition to Derek's keynote, we're going to cover more topics. We're going to cover how to identify current security threats to your critical infrastructure. We have interesting speakers there. Surviving attacks, the best practices for responding and recovering from an OT cybersecurity attack like a ransomware. We're going to hear from people that have been part of it as well as, as responsible and, and worried for it to happen. And we're also going to hear about securing the workplace. What can one do to reduce the risk of ransomware and what we from ABB recommend to our customers? But Derek, really, really looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say at the summit. And it was a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, same here, Patrick. It's always always fun talking with you, and I'm looking forward to the event. And I think for those that have not been exposed to our research, it'll be all new. And we're, I would say, don't take my word for it. I hear from people over the, the months that this has been available. I hear that it's valuable to people. So I, it certainly was our goal, and I'm, I'm glad that. But I think also if people have been exposed to it, 
What I also try to bring to these subsequent sessions is I'm talking to people all the time, people who are reading the report and giving me feedback and just people in the field who call me, especially my role now as the chairman of CSE, I, I just, I'm talking often to lots and lots of people and I'm neutral. I'm no longer selling products in the space. And so I hear all kinds of things. And so I think I try to inform or give nuances to some of what's in the report, which was we had to produce it at a static moment in time, but I continue to get anecdotal information from people. And so I think we can do our interpretive dance, if you will, around all this data and findings gets, I hope, better or more insightful. That sounds fantastic, Derek. We hear more about about all this on April 19th. I will be there. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening. And please, please register for our free virtual summit on Thursday, April 19th at 2 p.m. GMT. Thank you, everyone.